Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tianlu. Coming up in this edition, an Israeli war cabinet member has indicated that an offensive will be launched in Rafah in three weeks unless Hamas frees all Israeli hostages. The Gaza conflict and the European Union's future top discussions on the final day of the Munich Security Conference. And China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi is in Spain to enhance friendship and promote cooperation. We begin with the Middle East. Israeli war cabinet member Benny Gantz has warned that unless Hamas frees all hostages held in Gaza by March the 10th, an offensive will be launched in Rafah. It is the first time Israel has said when its troops might enter Gaza's overcrowded southern city. Global opposition is growing to such an attack in Rafah, where some one and a half million Palestinians are sheltering. The second largest hospital in the coastal enclave is completely out of service after a recent Israeli raid. The Israeli military said in a statement that Hamas is keeping weapons and hostages in the hospital. Meanwhile, the Israeli cabinet has issued a statement rejecting a unilateral recognition of the Palestinian state by the international community. Elena Bactoros has more from Jerusalem. Well, this is the first indication we've had of an actual timeline for this ground invasion into Rafah. The Israeli Prime Minister has been insisting for a while that this invasion must happen because that is where Hamas still has a stronghold and that the only way to ensure Israel's safety is to eliminate Hamas. Now, this was a statement made by one of the three-member uh, war cabinets, retired General Benny Gans. Now, he's an influential figure, he's a, an influential voice, but he doesn't necessarily have the final say in this uh, timeline. Until now, the Prime Minister had been insisting that this operation has to happen regardless. But he has also said that the civilians who are now sheltering in Rafah, which is more than half of Gaza's 2.3 million people, would be evacuated ahead of any such operation. We still don't have a timeline on that, or indeed any indication as to where these people might be evacuated to. The Israeli cabinet has adopted a resolution that it says is against the international diktats uh, regarding the permanent settlement with the Palestinians. Now, the cabinet adopted this unanimously. It said that this was uh, against international pressure that has been mounting for the recognition of a Palestinian state. Now, this is not a new position by the Israeli government. This is the most right-wing government that Israel has had in its history and the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been very clear all along that uh, the recognition of a Palestinian state is not something that is possible, certainly not under the current circumstances. He said that doing so now would essentially be rewarding the terrorism of Hamas by the raid that they conducted into Israel on October the 7th. Now separately there has been continued fighting in the Gaza Strip with a continued raid on NASA Hospital, which is one of the biggest hospitals and one of the last still functioning hospitals uh, that is located in the southern city of Khan Yunus. Now, the Israeli military said that it had credible intelligence that hostages had been held in the complex, that Hamas fighters had been fighting from there, and that potentially the remains of hostages who are no longer alive were still there. Now, medical doctors are among um, around 70 detainees from, from what the uh, Israeli military has said. And 
According to the military there, uh, they've also found medication that was intended for the hostages. They say they found weapons that were located in the medical complex, and they said that they have rounded up many Hamas fighters. Now, the World Health Organization has said that it sent a team into the hospital to try and gain access, but that access was denied. It says that there are still to around 200 patients still located there and that at least 20 of them require urgent medical help and transferring somewhere else. Medical doctors there have described the conditions as very difficult with a lack of food, water and sewage that has spilt into the emergency department. So conditions there are still very dire. That was Elena Baktoros reporting. In Europe, world leaders are calling for enhanced international cooperation in addressing global security challenges. This was the message on the final day of the Munich Global Security Conference. Natalie Carney reports from Munich. The stage is coming down on another year of the world's most important security conference. Referred to as the Davos of Defense, the Munich Security Conference could not have come at a more important time. The final day focused on the precarious future of Israeli and Palestinian relations with top EU diplomat Joseph Borrell stressing the need to pay attention to what is happening in the West Bank. Yes, we have to end the war in Gaza, but nobody has talked a lot about the West Bank. And the West Bank is the real obstacle for the two-state solution. The level of violence against the Palestinian has been increasing since the 7th of uh, October. We could be on the eve of a greater explosion. As most world leaders at the summit called for a renewal of international efforts towards a two-state solution, Palestinian Prime Minister Mohammed Shteya stressed the need for a unified Palestine to end the war in Gaza. Our top priority now is to end the uh, aggression against our people, to end the war, and also to allow international aid to get into Gaza. But also what is more important is a political solution, not only for Gaza, but for all of Palestine, that does material in a two-state reality, where countries do recognize Palestine as a state, and Palestine will be admitted as a member state to the United Nations. The death of Russian critic Alexei Navalny, concerns over the future of transatlantic relations, the retreat of Ukrainian troops as their president pleads for more support, and China's call for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. This year's summit has proven to be one of the most important and decisive in the conference's 60-year history. World dynamics are changing, but the Munich Security Conference gives us hope that a return to a rules-based world order can be achieved together. That was Natalie Carney on the Munich Security Conference. Turning to Africa. In the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the security situation remains volatile around the strategic city of Goma, the capital of the North Kivu province in the restive east. Fighting continues between the Congolese armed forces and rebels from the March 23rd movement. Hundreds of already displaced people have been forced to flee the town of Saik, the last frontier to Goma, as fighting there fled up in the past week. Anastasia Wariru has more. With nowhere else to go, these displaced people attempt to protect themselves from the rain. They have no room in Goma to shelter themselves from ongoing clashes. 
and in the town of Sake, they have been pushed out owing to continued fighting between Congolese armed forces and M23 rebels. Some of those leaving Sake had already been displaced elsewhere. It was 6 a.m. that I had bombings on Kiluku, Munanira, on Shasha Hill, and somewhere not far from Shasha, where I raised my bees. I told the old man who was with me that we had to leave. He told me he wasn't going anywhere. I packed my suitcase and left. People here say they are waiting for humanitarian aid to arrive. In the meantime, they've decided to create camps on the road linking Sake to Goma a temporary solution to an increasingly dire situation as rebel fighters attempt to take control of Sake, a move that would cripple the city of Goma that has already been largely cut off. It was because of this war that we fled. We had been attacked and I had seen many people leave their homes following the excessive bombing in my village. I also left the village to Sake, where we were welcomed into a church. But last Wednesday, there was also a big attack on Sake. We saw other displaced people and even residents leaving Sake. So I left too. That's why I'm here. We fled because there was a lot of bombing on Sake and a lot of gunfire. Besides, that's what really made us leave. It was when we saw the army sniper who was on a jeep being bombed. The vehicle burned and his head burst. We understood that the situation was serious, so we decided to leave without taking anything, empty-handed. The United Nations Refugee Commission estimates that around 135,000 internally displaced persons have fled Saki to Goma since the beginning of this month. That was Anastasia Wawiru on the displacement of woes in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. In North America, a New York judge has ordered former U.S. President Donald Trump to pay nearly $355 million U.S. million in a civil fraud case. As Popin Putin explains, with Trump's legal and financial woes piling up, there's a lot at stake as he campaigns to return to the White House. In what may feel like ancient history today, Donald Trump's claim to fame before being president was that of dealmaker-in-chief as a media mogul and real estate magnate. His show The Apprentice sealing his persona as a charismatic and successful high roller. For the last three months though, this image tarnished by the civil fraud trial led by New York State Attorney General Letitia James. Claiming you have money that you do not have does not amount to the art of the deal. It's the art of the steal. And there cannot be different rules for different people in this country or in this state. And former presidents are no different. The charges laid out in this Manhattan courtroom that Trump intentionally inflated his net worth to secure cheap business loans for the Trump Organization, the umbrella for numerous multi-million dollar business entities and investments. Trump, alongside his sons and co-defendants Donald Jr. and Eric, faced weeks of intense legal and media scrutiny. All three men, as well as Trump's daughter Ivanka, testified. It's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. Judge Engeron slapped a gag order on the former president to stop him making inflammatory statements. Once the ruling came down Friday, the judge's determination was that the state had proved its case of fraud and ordered Trump to pay a penalty of almost $355 million. Engron also banned Trump from running any businesses in New York for the next three years. 
in a stinging rebuke of the judgment, appearing outside his sprawling Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida on Friday, Trump repeated accusations that the case was politically motivated. It's a very sad day for, in my opinion, the country. A New York State judge just ruled that he's crooked as you can get. And a lot of people expected something like this, but not for the amount. This ruling comes just weeks after a federal judge ordered Trump to pay $83.3 million in compensatory and punitive damages for defaming E. Jean Carroll, the author who accused him of rape. While Trump says he will appeal the New York case, he is on the hook for millions of dollars. He may have to liquidate stocks and investments or even sell property. And if he can't pay, authorities could seize his assets. Trump is likely to win the contest to be the Republican nominee for the presidential contest. Despite his legal and financial problems, hardline Trump supporters and allies in his party are backing him in the Republican primaries and in Congress. That was Popin Putin on the Trump civil fraud case. Thousands of demonstrators cloaked in pink have marched through cities in Mexico in what they called a march for democracy. They are targeting the country's ruling party in advance of the June 2nd elections. Protesters are expressing their rage over issues of human rights abuses, kidnappings and violence. Alastair Beverstock has more from Mexico City. Nationwide protests are happening across Mexico as civilians take to the streets to call attention to the worsening situation of crime and security. In Monterrey, Guadalajara, Querétaro, Puebla and the capital, the coordinated March for Democracy highlights the ongoing issue of human rights abuses, disappearances, kidnappings and violence in a country where impunity rates are around 95%. Here in the capital, this protest marched to the city centre and protesters have spoken to CGTN about the country's problems and expressed their anger. The situation with crime is worse than ever in our country and the authorities have not done anything about it. We have always had criminal cartels, but today our president refuses to even acknowledge the problem. This march is our way of saying that we are not alone we see what is happening and that we will not remain silent. However, here in the center, not everyone agrees with the protesters. I think the president has done a good job. The country has a lot of problems, but they can't all be tackled at once. There has been investment in other areas and the country is moving in the right direction. Mexico's presidential election is set for June 2nd, during which the issue of security will be a major topic. The defense of the country's electoral body and autonomous institutions is also a major issue of concern ahead of the vote. However, elections themselves in Mexico tend to worsen rates of violence. During the 2018 presidential race in Mexico, more than 100 people were killed in connection with the election. And as the campaign gets underway ahead of Mexico's 2024 vote, security will be a major concern for voters, many of whom are here today to make their voices heard. That was Alastair Beverstock in Mexico.
Finally, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has traveled to Spain after attending the Munich Security Conference in Germany. The senior diplomat has met his Spanish counterpart in the historic city of Cordoba. He also announced the lifting of restrictions on the Spanish beef imports. Ken Brown has more. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi arrived on Sunday morning in Cordoba, southern Spain, where he met with his Spanish counterpart, José Manuel Álvarez. This is the Chinese Foreign Minister's first visit in nearly six years to Spain and aims to enhance friendship, promote cooperation and enrich the China-Spain Comprehensive Strategic Partnership, according to China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. It's also aimed at shoring up support among some of China's closest EU partners. Monday meetings are scheduled with the Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez and King Felipe VI. The fact that Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi visited Spain directly after the Munich Security Summit is a testament in itself to the close relations between these two countries. And the positive announcements for Spain's economy should only further serve to deepen bilateral ties. Visiting Europe, visiting Spain is like visiting old friends. Spain is a strong and trustworthy partner in the European Union. On behalf of China, I announce the lifting of restrictions on beef imports from Spain. This is good news, especially for Spanish farmers. Spain's foreign affairs minister welcomed the lifting of the ban on beef exports as extraordinarily positive and also spoke of the conversation he had with Wang Yi about ongoing conflicts in the Ukraine and Gaza and the recent death of Russian critic Alexei Navalny. I express my grave concern about the critical situation in Rafa, the need to reach an immediate ceasefire and to continue to support UNRWA more than ever and the irreplaceable work it does with the refugees and we also both agree to support the two-state solution between Palestinians and Israelis to achieve a definitive peace. Both ministers expressed a desire for further cooperation in areas such as climate change, electric vehicles and green energy. Spain buys more from China than any other country and joint trade is worth more than 50 billion US dollars a year. There was good news too for Spain's panda fans as a new young panda couple will be making their way to the country soon. That was Ken Brown on Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's latest trip to Spain. Recapping today's headlines, an Israeli war cabinet member has indicated that an offensive will be launched in Rafah in three weeks unless Hamas frees all Israeli hostages. The Gaza conflict and the European Union's future top discussions on the final day of the Munich Security Conference. And Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi is in Spain to enhance friendship and promote cooperation. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Lu. Thank you for listening. <laughs>